Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero, starting at 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. 
you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Social media, TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. Search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player. You'll find the show. There will be advertisements, though, so if you want to get rid of those advertisements and support what we do, please subscribe on our website at thesecretteachings.info for the full show archive. You'll also get access to our montages, digital copies of all four of my books, and these are huge books, big books, lots of information. You'll also get access to the private RSS feed, so you can listen on your podcast radio player, your application, and not have to worry about listening to those annoying advertisements. Thank you to all of you who have subscribed or have bought any of my books, especially my new book, Liberty Shrugged. It is available now only at www.thesecretteachings.info. Tonight on the broadcast, a special edition of the show, one of the few people that I have not gotten a chance to interview David Knight of The David Knight Show will be joining us in the second hour. But I promise you the first hour will not be dull. I have a series of sound clips to play for you. And I have a thought pattern, a process of thought here that I want to share with you that will extend into the second hour when we get David on the broadcast this evening. And that is... No matter the uniform and no matter the name, brown shirt, black shirt, Hugo Boss uniforms, red guards, authoritarianism seeks to undermine universal natural law and basic human freedoms. It doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't matter if you call it fascist or communist or socialist. I don't care if you say it's Adolf Hitler or it's Joseph Stalin are typically speaking, good guys do not censor speech, good guys do not prevent religious gatherings, good guys do not block, ban, or cancel information, good guys do not ignore trial by jury, good guys do not advocate for abolishing a natural right to self-defense, good guys do not advocate for the elimination of civil liberties, especially under the guise of something like a voting right, a civil right, expanded to be a civil liberty to undermine the true civil liberties and the true rule of law by using raw demos or democracy because it sounds nice as a weapon, as a tool to undermine that system and take control of it and replace it. Typically, good guys don't do those things. The freedoms of speech, press, religion, congregation, protest, jury trial, equality under the law, etc., all extend from thought, consciousness, and through natural law by what we may call God. Without the freedom of expression, without the freedom to express our thoughts through our consciousness, thought police manufacture our reality. Thought police rewrite history. Facts, historical events, They're put into the memory hole. And through marginalization and demonization of certain groups, I don't care if they're on the left or on the right or down the middle, there is ultimately mass murder of the physical after mass murder of the mental. 
fascists, communists, doesn't matter what you call them, fascist, communist, and all the others have accomplished these ends all throughout human history. Except the word fascist is largely seen as a slur, while communist is seen as a compliment nowadays. President Joe Biden recently referred to a large portion of the American public as being, quote, semi-fascist. In two different speeches this week, including one last night that looked like something from V for Vendetta, the president referred to MAGA, Trump supporters, and certain conservatives as being extremist. In his previous speech, even CNN said that fascism might not be the best word to use. Take a listen to Joe Biden and his fascism extremism comments, which were then, because they're not actually his thoughts or views, I don't believe, or per se, it is the line coming out of the White House, controlled by something other than Joe Biden, where you have the press secretary saying the same thing. Here is Joe Biden. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. MAGA Republicans don't have a clue about the power of women. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. But we've chosen a different path. Forward. So that is Joe Biden, a compilation. That audio issue there is on the end of the source of the audio, not on the show. But that is Biden saying that Trump supporters, mega supporters, etc., and by association so many others, are inherently a threat to democracy. Half of the electorate, essentially, is a threat to democracy. Although that's a right-wing talking point, and I don't necessarily agree that half of the electorate is Republican or Democrat. I think a lot more people are independent or indifferent, really. But the idea is one political party identity labeling their opposition as a threat. A threat to democracy, a threat to the rule of law, etc., even CNN said, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Extreme MAGA philosophy to semi-fascism. What exactly is semi-fascism, Green? So let me just first say this uh, tonight, uh, what you heard from this president, uh, Don. And again, thank you for having me, because this is really important. The American people have a choice in front of them. And the president laid that out very clearly, very powerfully. You're with us or you were against us? What Democrats are doing and what they are delivering and what they have done, Don, in less than in less than two years, which is lowering costs on prescription drugs, lowering the energy uh, uh, costs, making sure that we have this historic uh, 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 legislation for to really deal with climate crisis. All of these things are important. Standing up for women. And they are. Green, I want to get to all of those things. With, with all due respect. No, but I, but we no, have a short no. time. I'm going to get to all those things. But I just, if you'll answer my question, we can get to those I things. I am. What exactly I am. is I, semi-fascism? Don, I was just about to get to your question. Okay. I really was. But right. I want to, you brought me on the show for a reason. And, I, and it goes on and on. 
So even CNN says, what is semi-fascism? Can you explain that to us? And of course, Corrine cannot explain it because she might be a bigger puppet than Joe Biden is. But Joe Biden, in a second speech, this one last night, where he looked like the chancellor from V for Vendetta or the Hitler comparison with the fists. Here's a little bit of that speech. Joe Biden saying the same thing. MAGA Republicans, Trump supporters, and by association, so many others, they're a threat to democracy. They're extreme. They're extremist. In fact, press secretary, the White House, said that if you don't agree with the majority, you are in the extreme. I thought if you didn't agree with the majority, you're in the minority, but apparently you're in the extreme. Take a listen to a little bit of what Joe Biden said last night. And now America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity. Hold on a second. Obsess about the past. All these people do is obsess about the past. Hitler, 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 slavery, slavery, slavery. Hitler, slavery, slavery, Hitler. All they do is obsess about the past. Unity and optimism are a nation of fear, division, and of darkness. You mean terrifying people about a virus, terrifying people about the potentiality of killing your grandma or your best friend or something if you go to lunch with them because of a, quote, virus that's such hypocrisy? MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. It's supposed to be poetic. But together, together we can choose a different path. We can choose a better path forward to the future. A future of possibility, a future to build and dream and hope. And we're on that path moving ahead. We must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism. But it is totally normal to chemically castrate children. It's totally normal to separate families and prevent people from congregating and having uh, religious service and It's totally normal to force people to take experimental vaccines or mRNA shots and then tell them, oops, they didn't work. We knew they didn't work, as Brick said. All that's totally normal. None of that is extreme. It is extreme, however, apparently to like the idea of making America great. Even if you're not a Trump supporter, but if you do like America, that puts you into the same category. So you are an extremist. You are a potential terrorist. You are a white supremacist. You don't believe in democracy. You're a threat to the country. That's what they're saying. That threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear. These drones clapping. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. No, because most of the rest of the Republicans are just like the rest of the Democrats. They work for the system. They work for the corporations. They work for the big banks. They work for the international groups like the World Economic Forum. So, of course, Democrats like Biden don't have an issue with those Republicans because those Republicans are basically like Democrats. They just have a different color tie and vice versa. Now, they're telling you that if you 
believe in the idea that is utilized with the image of Donald Trump, with the image of make America great. It's not about Donald Trump. It's not about Republicans. Obviously, Biden even acknowledges that himself. What it's about is the symbol that is Donald Trump, the symbol that is make America great. If you really believe that America is great or had been great and you want to make America great again, whatever that might mean to you, if you believe in that idea, that is what makes you a danger, which tells you that those people who are writing these speeches and those people that are expressing these views, they don't like America. They don't like the idea that America has been, had been, continues to be, or might be made more great in the future. That's what they're telling you. Trump is the face. That red hat is the face. It's the symbol. It's the poster. What they're really promoting is the idea behind what those things represent. Those are just symbols. But see, what happens here is you might not be a Trump supporter. You might not be a mega supporter. But if you believe in, say, a secure border, doesn't matter how important or unimportant the topic is to you or to your party, But if you believe in a secure border, well, that associates you with MAGA and Trump. So that must mean you are an extremist. So you can say that it's not about Republicans. But as soon as you say that this is extremism and this is a threat to democracy and a threat to the country, that the real threat to the country, the real threat to democracy, the real threat to the rule of law are people that believe in what the MAGA Republicans and what the Trump supporters believe in, that's when you recognize who the real enemy is. So they can say it's not about Republicans, and perhaps it's not, as long as Republicans do the same thing Democrats do. What it's really about are the people who have ideas and viewpoints that are similar to the mega Republicans and similar to the Trump supporters, even if they're not mega Republicans, even if they're not Trump supporters. It's the idea. That matters. Here is the press secretary, Karine Jean, saying half the country are extremists. And again, we see majority of Americans who disagree. And so when you are not with where majority of Americans are, then, you know, that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. I thought. If you weren't where the majority of people were, you were simply in the minority. And I thought that progressives in particular wanted to protect the minority. I guess not. Maybe they'd like to use race and sex and gender and other similarly related things as weapons and tools in the culture war. Because if they care about minorities, they would care about the people who don't agree with the majority. Take a listen to that again. And again, we see majority of Americans who disagree. And so when you are not with where majority of Americans are, then, you know, that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. That means her way of thinking and Joe Biden's way of thinking must itself be extreme. Because when 58% of the country doesn't approve of what you're doing, unless I'm getting the math wrong here, 58% is more than 42%, which is the inflated approval rating of Joe Biden. 
sounds like since they're in the minority, they're the extremists. You see what's happening here? Joe Biden can cleverly say, or whoever writes the script can cleverly say, this isn't about real Republicans. This is about mega supporters and Trump supporters. No, it's about what mega and Trump symbolically represent. And those symbolic things that you, who might not be a Trump supporter, who might not be a mega hat wearer, you agree with those concepts and ideas, traditional conservative values, What happens is you get grouped in together with them. You, again, become the extremist element. And if half the country, plus, she's saying a majority of people disagree with MAGA and Trump and those ideas and concepts, that must mean everybody else is an extremist. Except, in reality, your approval rating is so low, a majority of the country disagrees with you, which makes you the minority, which makes your views extreme. And that's how it has to be. If we're changing definitions and changing how we view things, changing reality, by definition, if your views become unpopular, do they become extreme? Do you see what I mean here? Because if being in the minority means that you are extreme, well, when you're in the minority, Biden or Kareen, does that mean you become extreme? That's an important distinction to make, and it's a very obvious distinction to make. And once again, by putting the minority into a classification system where they become extreme and a danger to the country, seems to be quite anti-progressive to me. You're not just in the minority. You're an extremist element of society because you don't agree with the hive mind herd. That's extremely, extremely dangerous. And you talk about hatred. Here's the guy running for the Democratic Party in Florida against Ron DeSantis, Charlie Crist. Here's what he had to say about his opponent. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. All I could think of was the Chappelle show. Player haters ball. The uh, Clayton Bigsby. You got hate in your heart. Let it out. White power. Charlie Chris, Joe Biden, so many of these people, they literally use the word hate in every speech. Hate, hate, hate. It's about hate. These people hate, hate, hate. We want to unify. It's that dichotomy, that false paradigm, the left-right paradigm making you believe that you're either with the good guys or you're with the bad guys. And it's as simple as that. And that's why Joe Biden refers to some of the country as semi-fascist. That's why they call them extreme and a threat to democracy. Because if you believe in the symbols of Trump and MAGA, which is a lot more people and even some Democrats agree with the ideas, that makes you a threat. And once you're a threat and once you're a fascist in particular, Fascism is seen as such a terrible thing that we could do anything to these people to stop them. And we should maybe do something to stop them. Would you kill baby Hitler? Would you kill baby Stalin? Would you kill baby Mao? And once the ends, once the goal is justified, it does not matter how we arrive at that final solution. Although fascism 
rejects the Marxist class warfare in exchange for nationalism. The results are essentially the same for commoners. The Marxist system produces not a nationalist outcome for the people, but instead binds them perpetually in class struggle and collectives. Here in the States, it's race, sex, gender, class, etc. struggle. That class struggle, conceptually, allows for a ruling class, the axe, to rule over all of the twigs, all of the sticks that are bound in that fasci of despotism. The Communist Party becomes the state. It becomes the national identity, just as it replaces God. Fascism results in the same exploitations in favor of the nationalist or nationalistic state. But no matter who is called a fascist, and no matter how you define it, when the President of the United States declares that his political opposition and certain specific elements of the population are a threat to democracy, extreme, and semi-fascist, a line has been crossed. A Rubicon has been crossed. Just like when George Bush classified opposition to his wars overseas as being with the terrorists. The White House has furthermore declared that if you are not of the majority opinion, you are an extremist, as Biden has done twice in the last few days. The seed is planted that any potential means can be justified by the end goal of stopping the terrible things that such names imply. Racism, homophobia, sexism, anti-Semitism, anti-democracy, inequality, etc., 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 When any leader claims to be a unifier while fragmenting his or her people in such a way, this is a sure sign of authoritarianism. And it's a sign of dangerous things to come. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever and wherever you are listening. David Knight of The David Knight Show will be with us in the second hour segments three and four but segment two before that coming up next right after this break the music that you're hearing white bat audio they let us use their music and we appreciate that white bat audio again i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings there's more after this don't go anywhere if anyone can hear this broadcast i'm still on earth This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info this is linda godfrey author of monsters among us and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable you could listen to this and again you know people say david has no evidence david has no evidence I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. Do you like the secret teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and call out to the fallout back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to the Secret Teachings Radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us. No matter what the uniform is, no matter what you call it, authoritarianism always seeks and often unfortunately succeeds in undermining natural law and basic human freedoms. Could be Hugo Boss uniforms, it could be brown shirts, it could be black shirts, could be red guards. Doesn't really matter. The results are always the same. The people suffer. And often the people suffer irreversible damage to not only themselves, but to future generations, to their culture, to ideas which usually become illegal, ideas and expressions, that's thought and consciousness, but to culture, to ideas, to customs, to habits, to beliefs, all of those things are exterminated alongside of the authoritarian takeover. It does not matter if it wears a red tie, a blue tie, if it has a Stalin mustache or a Hitler mustache. We should stop arguing over who's fascist and start debating and start thinking not about even what those words mean, but what is the outcome 
of any kind of government, socialist, communist, fascist, whatever you want to call them, totalitarian, authoritarian, are they run by oligarchs or what are they run by, dictators, a Politburo? We need to start thinking of how does the system benefit the people? Does the government work for the system? Because the government can work for a system that has nothing to do with the government. Does the government work for the people? Do the people work for the system and the government? Is the system, the corporations and the banks, is it influenced? Is it controlled by government? That's fascism. You know, the word comes from the Italian word for union. The central pillar of Benito Mussolini's rule in Italy between 1925 and 1945, Mussolini founded the National Fascist Party. The symbol of the fascists itself implies many people bound together and ruled by a harsh master or a bundle of wooden rods tied together with an axe protruding in authority. In ancient Rome, it symbolized a magistrate's executive and judicial authority. Today, we use it to symbolize evil, Hitler, bad things. But we have the fasci in Congress. We have the fasci on the dime. The fasci has other meanings. It's not always an evil symbol in the same way that the swastika is not always an evil symbol. A hammer isn't necessarily an evil symbol, neither is the sickle. But when you put them together and you starve 45 million people to death in China, 6 to 9 million to death in Ukraine, tens of millions in Russia, and you slaughter the rest, and the few that survive work for the system, or they bow and worship at the heels, at the boots of the party leader, I don't care what kind of system it is, communism in particular is one of the most fascist systems ever designed by man. There is no debating that, there is no questioning that, both symbolically and by definition. If you take out the corporate banking components of it, fascism can be applied to pretty much any system of government. But we're so almost excited It feels like some people are actually excited to label their political opponents fascists. Joe Biden says that a majority of the country are semi-fascists. Now, that is a Republican talking point, but I don't think I've heard a single Republican explain what that really means. See, Joe Biden said that mega-Republicans, Joe Biden said that regular old Republicans are not really the big issue. Take a listen. I respect conservative Republicans. I don't respect these MAGA Republicans. I respect conservative Republicans, not these MAGA Republicans. He said something similar last night in his second speech this week that looked like something from V for Vendetta. He looked like the chancellor. He looked like Hitler with the fists, the red in the background with the military escort. See, the thing is, When they tell you, just as the press secretary has told us, that if you're in the minority, you're not a minority, you are an extremist. You are a danger. You are a threat. Take a listen. 
And again, we see majority of Americans who disagree. And so when you are not with where majority of Americans are, then, you know, that is extreme. That is an extreme way of thinking. You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. You either believe what we believe or you're not even in the minority. You're just an extremist. You're a danger. You're a threat to everything. You're a threat to the capital. You're a threat to the party. You're a threat to the, or at least their, rule of law. What they're not telling you directly, and neither are Republicans, by the way, because apparently I would call it existential thought, but it's not existential. It's quite elementary, Watson. When they say it's mega Republicans and Trump supporters, what they're actually saying is anybody who believes in what those people believe in. And what do those people believe in? Well, they could believe in a lot of things. A lot of Trump supporters are hardcore QAnon fans or supporters or cult members or whatever it is. And what exactly do those Trump supporters and mega supporters advocate for beyond all the QAnon stuff? Well, a lot of them would like to see pedophiles not be referred to as minor attracted person. So even if you're not a Trump supporter, even if you're not a Republican, you could be a registered Democrat. You could be gay. And you could say, hey, I don't agree with normalizing pedophilia. Suddenly, I don't care what your voter registration card says. I don't care where you stick your private parts. You are in the category of mega and Trump because of the association with the symbols of what those things represent. That's what they're telling you. And that means way more than half Republicans are wrong. Way more than half the country are considered extremists. What they're actually telling you, what Biden is saying, what the press secretary is saying, you are either with the party or you're against the party. There is no in-between. That's what they're telling you. And remember, always, archetypically speaking and factually speaking and historically speaking, no good guy censors speech. No good guy prevents religious gatherings. No good guy blocks, bans, or cancels information. No good guy ignores trial by jury. No good guy advocates for abolishing a natural right to self-defense. All these, quote, freedoms of speech, press, religion, congregation, protest, jury trial, equality under the law, all extend from thought and consciousness. And without the freedom of expression, thought police manufacture our reality, and they rewrite history. Facts and historical events... Well, they're just simply dumped. They're dumped into the memory hole. And through marginalization and demonization of certain groups, certain segments of the population, the mass murder of the mental, the mass murder of consciousness becomes the mass murder of the physical. No matter who is called a fascist or how you define it, or brown shirt, black shirt, Hugo Boss, red guard, When the president of the United States declares that his political opposition and certain specific elements of the population, generally speaking, most of the population, more than a majority, are a threat to democracy, that they're extreme, that they're semi-fascists, we know that a line has been crossed, a Rubicon has been crossed, and there is no going back. George Bush once famously said, you're either with us, or you're with the terrorists. President Biden has referenced a similar fallacy 
in two of his last speeches, including the one last night. And the White House has furthermore declared that if you are not of the majority opinion, you are an extremist. Therefore, the seed is planted that any potential means can be justified by the end goal of stopping the terrible things that such names imply. Racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, anti-democracy, inequality, etc. And the implication is always the same. It's always Hitler. It's never Mao. It's never Stalin. When any leader claims to be a unifier while fragmenting his or her people in such a way, this is not even a sign. This is a fact of authoritarianism. And it is an omen of very dangerous things to come. Once that Rubicon is crossed, mob rule, the rawest form of democracy, usurps Republican government and initiates the collapse of structural order and cultured society. And the strong arm of government is thus offered as the solution to such destruction. Democracy. 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 People power is replaced with demo side, demo side, the leading cause of oppression and death worldwide. You thought iatrogenic death was one of the leading causes of death, iatrogenic death in the medical industry. You thought that was bad? Not when you look at democide. Democide government, that is the biggest killer. We have to understand. No matter the uniform, no matter what you call them, and no matter furthermore what they say, the words that they use, words are important. And I can tell you that I'm a good guy when I'm a bad guy, when I go against your interests. No matter the uniform, the name, or the words, authoritarians always seek and unfortunately usually succeed and undermining the rule of law and basic human freedoms. I don't care if they have a Make America Great hat on. I don't care if they have a BLM sign outside their house. I don't care if you voted Republican for the last 30 years or Democrat for the last 30 years. I don't care if you like Ronald Reagan. I don't care if you're a fan of John F. Kennedy. I don't care where your political allegiance is. Political allegiance, uniforms, names, and words mean nothing. They're symbols. They're often used as weapons, as shields, to advance ideological, zealous agendas. What we need to be worried about are the actions. Stop worrying about people's skin and their genitalia and their sexual orientation and the uniform they wear and their political allegiance, and the words they use, examine their actions. Examine their actions. To know a man not by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. Examine their actions. Because regardless if they have a Hitler mustache, a Stalin mustache, or they're just a big fat slob like Mao Zedong, and he is. In a communist listing, Mao Zedong is the most, one of the most disgusting pieces of trash that have ever lived on this planet. Karl Marx was a lazy bum who never held a job in his life. 
and his communist philosophy of utopia is a con. It's a fraud. And it's also a theory that has only been proven to cause widespread destruction anywhere that it's even been slightly attempted. Real communism hasn't been tried. I say two things to that. Well, real capitalism hasn't been tried. But the second thing I say is you can't actually implement real communism worldwide for a lot of different reasons. But the outcome is always the reason. Because everybody starves to death and most people are dead by the time you get to phase two or three of the communist takeover. That's why countries like China have become extremely, extremely, in comparison with the past, extremely focused on capitalist enterprise and nationalism. That builds a country. The only problem is China is extremely, extremely, extremely authoritarian and extremely, extremely, extremely not really Chinese nationalistic, communist nationalistic. They want to export their system to the rest of the world. And hey, to be fair, it ain't much different than what the imperialists, in the name of democracy and Republican government, it's not much different than what they've done, right? Isn't that what George Bush said for years? We got to go over them and go over there and fight them so they don't come over here and fight us over here. We got to stop them over there so they don't come over here. You're either with us or you're against us. Someone throws a shoe at him, he ducks, he comes back up. We're going to put food on your family. Democrats used to be opposed to those kinds of wars. A lot of real Republicans were opposed to those kinds of wars. Not anymore. I wonder how many people honestly know what September 11th is coming up in just a few days. Patriot Day, right? Patriot Day, just raw, unfiltered, religious-like propaganda. Because just like when Bill Gates went to Congress a few weeks ago and got Manchin and all these other senators to agree to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, Bloomberg News and others reported Bill Gates is the reason that that act was passed. Here is an unelected billionaire philanthropist with a eugenics background and no medical degree dictating over the last two to three years how we should live our lives because of a medical emergency, a pandemic, and then directing our Congress on how to vote for a bill that's supposed to be anti-billionaire, only passed because of one of the most wealthy, powerful, influential, and evil people living on the planet today. It's the priestly class of Egypt, of South America. It's the priestly class controlling the scepter and the hand and the ring of the Pharaoh. I know I'm decades late to the party, but I'm only 31 years old. I've always read uh, non-fiction, but I just got into reading some fiction. I just started reading the Dune series. I'm about halfway done with the third book. And for those of you who are fiction fans, basically it's the Ben Gesserit controlling the empire. It's the, the, the Sith from Star Wars controlling the empire. It's evil behind the scenes. And there's honest historical records about this. The priests in Egypt controlled the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh didn't actually have any real power. All the emperors in China, the long fingernails, the inability to walk because their muscles have basically seized up because they sit and everybody around them does all 
of their daily uh, routines and necessities for them. They're just symbols. They're little talking heads. They don't actually represent the real power. So again, it doesn't matter the uniform. It doesn't matter the name. It doesn't matter the words they use, whether political allegiance or alliances even. Authoritarianism seeks and succeeds to undermine universal natural law and basic human freedoms. And it does not matter what kind of shirt or tie, what color it is. It doesn't matter what they wear. It doesn't matter what they call themselves. It doesn't matter what they say. And it doesn't matter, furthermore, what they call their opposition. Joe Biden can say, not Republicans, but all these other mega people, these other mega people, these Trump supporters, they're a threat to democracy. They're extreme. But that means if you believe anything that MAGA or Trump supporters believe or think, then you become one even if you're not one. You see how it works? It's the association by the symbol. It means know a person by the color of their tie, their political allegiance or alliance, know a person by the color of their skin, not the content of their character, not what they actually do. Listen, I have, in response, tongue-in-cheek over the years, I have said, huh, I guess if I had to pick between a gulag in Russia and total devastation in China, I'd probably live in 1935 Berlin. It looked pretty nice in comparison. At least people had food. I have three listeners that listen to this show. Uh, one of them, uh, give a shout out to Ryan uh, Telberg up in the Dakotas, uh, but three different listeners who have family who fled communist Russia to go to Germany, not really agreeing with Nazism, but just because there was food there. And I say it tongue in cheek, like, I guess I would rather live in Berlin than live in Russia or China. But in all reality, I want liberty for everybody, every person. And I'm not going to advocate for it by using talking points and nice sounding phrases and words. It's pretty simple. And it all is an expression of consciousness, which is an expression of the divine. And I don't care what your religious belief system is. There is a divine force animating the physical world. And that divine force, regardless of what you choose to call it, by its actions, you should know it. That divine force that gives you life and gives you the ability to think and experience the wonderful, beautiful, pleasurable things in the world, that divine force is the highest authority. And that's why most systems of government that are oligarchical, despotic, commit democide, genocide. Stalin in Russia famously said, that the issue here is the party is above everything. There is no God. The communists have determined that God is not alive. There is no God or God is dead because the party has all the power and all the authority. It doesn't matter what your views are politically. When Mark Zuckerberg sits down and says, yes, the FBI came to us and told us to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story, that is interference in the election. When you see these advertisements on Facebook, I keep getting them. Stop the Republicans from stealing the next election. I thought you weren't allowed to believe in election fraud. And besides, if you're willing to discuss it and use it as a political advertisement, Republicans weren't the ones accused of stealing the election anyway. What do you mean stop the Republicans from stealing the election? Didn't 
a bunch of political representatives say the same thing in 2020, this president's going to try to steal this election. That undermines faith in the election system. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Donald Trump failed you as a leader with the pandemic. He failed you as a leader with the vaccines that admittedly don't work. He failed you as a leader. I was listening to David Knight, our guest this evening, in the second hour coming up here very shortly. I was listening to him earlier today, and he said, I just wish Trump would go away. And I agree with David. I wish Trump would just go away, too. I'm tired of hearing about Trump, and I'm tired of hearing about people whine and complain and have to go to therapy because of Trump. Trump is not a leader. Trump is a failure. Joe Biden is the Democratic equivalent of George Bush. You're with us. You're with the terrorists. I'm going to put food on your family. Joe Biden shaking hands with the air like Chuck Schumer. Remember that Chuck Schumer was shaking hands with the devil. He was looking at his chair, talking to his chair. Remember that that video? These people are beyond out of their minds. They're totally psychotic. It doesn't mean that Trump didn't do good things. It doesn't mean that Biden might not have done a few good things. The president doesn't even have all the authority. Congress has most of the authority. He's going to get rid of your student loan debt. Really? Well, Congress has to approve that, so the president doesn't have any authority to do that. But we don't care about that. We don't focus on Congress. We focus on the executive. We focus on the color of the tie. We focus on whatever the party is called. That's what I identify with. Because it's all psychology. Behavioral psychology, behavioral nudging, the Bitterman chart of coercion, neurolinguistic programming, group identity. Sean Parker said that Facebook was created as a means by which to exploit a vulnerability in human psychology. You want to be liked. You want to have family and friends and community. You want to be social. You're a, quote, social creature. It exploits all of those things. It's the American Medical Association and Yale University and clinicaltrials.gov devising talking points for politicians and doctors and nurses about vaccines or about anything for that matter. In this case, what I'm referencing, vaccines, clinicaltrials.gov, and the American Medical Association use the talking points and the rhetoric and the propaganda and the words and the implications of those words like waving a magic wand, like a sleight of hand, rather than showing people facts or, quote, science. Instead, we have people like Fauci who says, I am the science. Joe Biden regurgitating those talking points, telling Americans, hey, what's the big deal? Just get a vaccine. This is a very American thing to do. That's right from the talking point script. I mean, you've seen Joe Biden. He even has cue cards. Walk in the room, sit down and share, look at people, Say this line. It's a fake White House, totally scripted. Joe Biden isn't saying those things that you saw and heard last night or a couple of days ago about extremism, about fascism, about a threat to democracy. Democracy is dangerous anyway. Democracy is a mob. They want mob rule. Because the majority sounds good. That's most people. Let's benefit most people. Rather than have a system of equal representation, a system of 
equal protection, a system of equal justice, where we don't base our determinations on who is guilty based on skin color or sex or gender, where a black man robbing a store isn't arrested because he's black. That's the extreme opposite of arresting somebody who does nothing because they're black. You want equality in authoritarian systems? The only equality you get is the equality of outcome, which means everybody is equally poor, everybody equally starves to death, everybody equally suffers, everybody equally dies. This class, sex, gender, race, etc. warfare is the class warfare, the perpetual class struggle of Karl Marx and Mao and Joseph Stalin and the communist Marxist Gestapo party. It doesn't matter if they're fascist or if they're communists. Authoritarianism in any forum is a threat to human freedom. It is a threat to your divine birthright. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. David Knight of The David Knight Show coming up after this. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us right here on The Secret Teachings. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS app store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Ken.
Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. of a regime that acquiesces to disorder. This fierce machine which you have built, upon which we stand, will bring an end to the Senate. All remaining systems will bow and will remember this as the last day of the Republic. In order to really tackle terrorism, and this time domestically, you've got to attack and dismantle the command and control element of a terrorist group. And unfortunately, and I know this is painful to hear, that may mean people sitting in Congress right now, people in and around the former president. That's how you do this. The time has come. Execute Order 66. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. I am the Senate. Terrorists and suspended the Constitution. We didn't wake up then either. The two most lethal elements of the domestic violence and extremist threat are racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and militia violent extremists. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. Now I'm awake. Can the federal government take credit for saving us from a plot of its own creation? What it will not tell you is that there have been 20 foiled plots, and of them, three were interrupted by members of the public. The 17 that were interrupted by the feds were created by the feds. January 6th is now being used as a pretext to strip law-abiding Americans of their most basic civil liberties. You are our only hope. The American you know doesn't exist in our future. Bow and remember this as the last day of the Republic! Welcome back to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. The Secret Teachings can be found on pretty much any radio or podcast player, but the main show goes live 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on GroundZero.Radio and Aftermath FM, the app. Those are the most reliable ways to listen. You can, of course, find the Secret Teachings archive without any outside advertisements that you'd get from other radio and podcast players by visiting our website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribing. You'll also get access to our montage archive. You'll get copies digitally of all of my books to read and download. I've written four. My new book, Liberty Shrugged, is now available. You can also buy those books separately, and it's all on the website at thesecretteachings.info. And when you subscribe or when you buy a book, You keep us on air Monday through Friday, five nights a week. And we can continue to bring you the type of analysis we bring you. We can continue to bring you the type of guests that we bring you. And sometimes, maybe we'll inject a little bit of humor into the show. We have some people that come on the show that we kind of joke around with. I want this to be a thought experiment. And tonight I have a new thought experiment for you. I want you to think of this. I want you to think of fascism, communism, all these other isms 
and whether or not the name actually matters that much. Because no matter the uniform, no matter the words, no matter the political allegiance, authoritarianism destroys universal natural law. It destroys basic human freedoms. Whether brown shirt, black shirt, Hugo Boss uniforms, red guards, it doesn't matter. The results are always the same. This week we saw Joe Biden refer to half of the country, at least that's the right-wing talking point, as extremists, threats to democracy, semi-fascist. He did say that, so did the press secretary. But it's not really about half the country. It's not really about softening that statement by saying it's not all Republicans, just some. No, it's anybody who believes America's great or America could be more great. It's anybody who believes in the Constitution. It's anybody who believes in having an actual country and a rule of law that is enforced equally. Therefore, anybody in opposition to the party is a threat to the party. And when you call people fascists, you call people these names, what happens is you establish a line in the sand, or rather, you cross over that line in the sand, you cross the Rubicon, and there's no going back. Beyond the fallacy of you're with us or you're against us, you're with us or you're with the terrorists, like George Bush said, the seed is planted that any means can be justified by the end goal of stopping the terrible things associated with fascism or whatever the ism is. Racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, anti-democracy, inequality, etc. And when this happens, when the Rubicon is crossed, mob rule, the rawest form of democracy, usurps Republican government, initiates the collapse of a structured order and culture and society, and the strong arm of government is thus offered as the solution to that destruction. Democracy, democracy, or people power, is replaced with democide, the leading, co- the leading cause of death and oppression worldwide. Tonight on the show, David Knight of The David Knight Show, thedavidknightshow.com. David Knight joins us. David, it's a real honor to have you on the show. I've listened to your show for a long time. I really appreciate you coming on. How are you doing, my friend? Well, thank you, uh, Ryan. I'm, I'm great. Uh, as, as good as I can be as I see this civil war unfolding, you know, and, and I, I would just point out that all of this really has its origins in the sanctions that were enacted against all of us in all of these different countries by all of the leaders, regardless of what political party they're in, uh, regardless of what they claim their ideology is, they all marched in lockstep to impose sanctions on their own people. And that's the only way that I can describe what happened with these lockdowns and these other measures that, that came in with the medical martial law. And, and, you know, sanctions are always the first step in a war. Uh, in medieval times, they yes. would uh, blockade uh, the city-state and uh, they would create a siege. And that's what this is in the 21st century. Uh, when you do economic sanctions against a country, that is an act of war. It's the first step of war and most uh, usually winds up uh, uh, bringing on a war of some sort. That's what we see happening in Ukraine. But they're doing that to us domestically as well. This is very similar to historical events that have taken place in communist countries, communist China, the revolution in the late 40s. In the early 50s, part of the way in which the Communist Party took total and complete control of that country, a huge country China is, of course, in 1952, they told the public there was a virus or a series of viruses that the U.S. was waging germ warfare secretly 
and they used lockdowns and social distancing and anybody who refused was seen as a spy or seen as a nationalist or seen as a capitalist. And when vaccines were rolled out and different drugs were introduced to fight these diseases, obviously, if you refused, you were put into those categories, rounded up. But if you refused the vaccine, you couldn't participate in society anymore. And then they admitted a few years later, it's all made up. It's not true. That happened in the 50s in China. That's what we just experienced in the last two to three years here in the U.S. and around the whole world. It's an amazing parallel, isn't it? Uh, it truly is. And um, yeah, thanks to you for pointing that out. I had not seen that before. But, you know, the um, uh, you talk about China is also um, the great leap forward, right? Very much like yes. the great reset. You know, you're going to uh, take these people out, deliberately starve them into submission. And uh, that is uh, another part of what is happening now. You know, Ryan, I, I looked years ago when we had a lot of um, uh, what I felt were preparations for a civil war. You had the Obama administration uh, putting militarized equipment in with uh, police departments and, uh, you know, the MRAPs when they were putting these things in and that type of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of that was happening, and it was really suspicious to look at this. It was very strange. And even at the time, uh, they were so desperate to, to uh, put this military equipment in with police departments that they actually stopped the surplus equipment going to rural fire departments, which that's what they had been doing since World War, the end of World War II. And, um, and they really did need it because uh, most of the time, it's the small rural areas that are on the front lines of fighting a big forest fire, maybe coming from public lands or something like that. And so they really needed that help. They didn't have the money to pay for it. And this surplus equipment from the military was a great thing. So they actually stopped it and, and were focusing all their effort on giving all the surplus military equipment to the police departments. It's like, well, what is this about? You know, they stopped. They had a lot of volunteer fire departments getting in touch with their senators. And they were able to stop that within a couple of months and, and reinstitute uh, the um, longstanding program that had been there. But you start looking at this and say, what is going on with this? What are they really, uh, what are they really working to establish? And I started doing an investigation of um, asymmetric warfare uh, departments within the Pentagon, and what they were saying in terms of um, you know, asymmetric warfare be the type of uh, warfare that we've had and uh, not very done very well at in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and many other places where they could easily go in and destroy the military of their opposition, but then they would send the boots in the ground there to occupy it. And uh, then not do very well with people who were armed with very basic uh, equipment. And so I said, what is it? What, what is happening with this? And one of the things that they looked at, Brian, was the profile of the person that would resist them. And I thought it was very interesting because there was a lot of talk in, in America about these Islamic extremists and all the rest of this stuff. And yes, there is a Islamic extremism. I'm not underplaying that. But what the asymmetric warfare people were saying was that the leaders of this movement were not religious. They were secular. They said, if you look at it, and it was true. I looked at a lot of them. They're typically were in their mid-30s. Uh, there were people who had a very good education, came from a well-to-do family within the area. But they said that their, their initial motivating factor was that everything had been taken away from them by the U.S. occupation. And they saw that they had no way to get it back other than, you know, their backs were to the wall. They had to fight to get it. So it was that desperation. That's that and then born out of that, they would turn to religion, but that the religion wasn't their motivating factor to start with. And I thought, 
Well, that is kind of uh, what they're pushing us into today, isn't it? Taking everything away. Absolutely. That's the blowback that Ron Paul used to talk about famously. That's yes. the that's the reaction that people have when you you take everything from them. They have uh, they have no choice. They become desperate. Those are very dangerous people. That's exactly the system that is being manufactured and cultivated right now. And when we have a system that takes everything away from us and we are desperate, that creates the conditions in society, which leads to what I see today happening as societal collapse. Look at Chicago, look at Los Angeles, look at these big cities. It's literally crumbling internally from the policies, not prosecuting criminals, allowing people that commit crimes in general to uh, to basically encouraging uh, them to commit these crimes because there's no repercussions for them, punishing law-abiding citizens. This is also in parallel, David, precisely what the Red Guards did in communist China. They were given total authority to rape, to pillage, to loot, and nobody could do anything to stop them. That's right. Yeah, they want chaos and they and they want to destroy society. And that's one of the ways that they're doing it. And I think the other part of this, you know, it is a deliberate takedown and it is a deliberate program of uh, chaos by releasing prisoners. We saw that with Chesa Boudin, who was thrown out. And, um, you know, he had uh, long ties to the weather underground. And uh, he was actually raised by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, who were able to because they were uh, privileged uh, uh, white liberals. (laughs) They were able to beat the rap on these terrorist charges. However, Chesa Boudin's uh, family, the parents did go to jail, Uh, but um, uh, Bernadine and uh, Bill raised Chesa Boudin and uh, he was a real radical. And and so was his mentor, who's in L.A., Gascon. their, Their purpose in terms of letting people get away with crime is to create chaos. And, and they've been heavily supported by George Soros. And I know as, um, as uh, Obama was planning, to, uh, as he was leaving uh, in 2016, 2017, that transition time between the election and, and Trump uh, taking office, that Obama and Eric Holder were talking about how they were going to focus on district attorney races and on state attorneys general races. And they had money from Soros. And so this is a plan. But I think it is, um, w- when you look at this, it is also all the rhetoric that we've seen from Biden this week. I think he's laying the foundation that uh, as they take us down into chaos and into economic collapse, and make no mistake about it, everything that they're doing now is designed to take us into an economic collapse. As that happens, he is already directing the narrative for the people that he's going to go to literal war with. And that's what he's doing right now. He's preparing that. He's, he's setting that narrative out, establishing these people are extremists. These people are terrorists and that type of thing, which he may very well turn them into by destroying everything in yes. their lives. Yes, that's, that's a fantastic point. And when Biden this week called mega Republicans, Trump supporters, fascist or semi-fascist, and referred to them as extremists, the White House came out, the press secretary, and said that, about half the country uh, are extremists. And then she said that a minority of the people actually believe what they believe, what the Democratic Party or Joe Biden or anybody, even the mainstream Republicans. So since they're a minority, she said this because they're a minority, they are extreme. So you're not just a minority if you don't fit into the majority. You are an extremist because you don't share the official viewpoints of the party. And that's, yes, that's the narrative that that they're manufacturing. And I think... We've talked about this before the show. 
Back in 1957, there was something called the Hundred Flowers Campaign, where people in China were encouraged by Mao and the party of China to write letters of uh, distaste. Did you not like something that the communists have done to your village? Did you not like something that Mao has said? People were skeptical. People thought they were going to be rounded up. Mao said, no, no, no big deal. Just tell us what you think. So people, people told him what they thought, and people disappeared. This is, David, I believe, what the entirety of the Trump presidency has been used to do, isolate those people in society. And I also think when they're saying mega Republicans and Biden is strategically saying not all Republicans, just mega Republicans, well, what does the mega Republican represent? It represents someone who wants to, quote, make America great. So if you believe America is great or could be made great, you don't have to be a Trump supporter. You could be a Democrat. You still are an extremist, according to the party. Well, that's right. And, and of course, uh, as we see how that uh, uh, how that campaign from China plays out in the United States, just take a look at social media. And I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that we're seeing so much um, uh, of a uh, pioneering of authoritarian tactics via social media. I think it was designed for that very purpose. Uh, going back and looking at um, uh, the rise of geospatial intelligence, they started putting that together uh, in the late 90s as the uh, internet was becoming practical in terms of bandwidth to be able to do a lot of things that they really couldn't do before that because of a lack of bandwidth. And, uh, you know, the, the original design for the internet uh, goes back to the early 1960s. J.C.R. Licklider at mm -hmm. DARPA was talking about how he could create this uh, intergalactic computer network, and they just shortened it up to internet. Uh, for the longest time, and you know, I was an engineer back in the 1980s. Electrical engineer was what I had my degree in. And um, uh, we would use DARPAnet and other things like that, and then it became ARPANET, and then it became the Internet and so forth. So all this has its origins in the DARP, in DARPA and in uh, the military-industrial complex. Then by the time they got to the 90s, when it started, it was clear that uh, they were starting to rapidly increase the bandwidth. They started uh, geospatial intelligence in a big way. And it's interesting to me, Ryan, that nobody ever talks about, uses that term. Uh, but the, we saw this with January the 6th when they put a geofence around uh, areas in Washington. And then anybody that they found inside that area was instantly guilty, right? Yep. And, and so that's what geospatial intelligence has been about. It was the fastest growing part of the intelligence community for the last two decades. It's where James Clapper rose to power. Uh, was within that community. Prior to the lockdowns, they were having annual conventions, geospatial intelligence conventions. They were getting over 4,000 people uh, to attend, you know, all in that industry. So it's a very big industry, which nobody wants to talk about. It reminds me of the NSA in the early days when it was no such agency. No such agency, Nobody would talk yep. about that. But, uh, you know, the, it, it really is about mapping your political and your religious beliefs and mapping them to the people and to a geographical location and tracking everybody with the appropriate data mining. And, and so it really is like the 100 Flowers campaign. It's a lot more powerful because of the leverage of technology. You know, human nature doesn't change, but the technology has given these dictators uh, and these people who want to control us from a central location, it has given them a very, very big club to use against us. And, and so I think that's really what we're seeing. And one of the things that we need to be concerned about, and of course, something that nobody in Washington of either party is concerned about. All they're concerned about, as we've seen in the hearings about censorship, uh, Marco Rubio would say, well, you're not going to, uh, you're going to censor the people that we tell you 
uh, not the people that China tells you to do, right? So you're going to take orders from us, not from China. And then within the American government, it's the people who are Republicans and Democrats. They want this tool. Both of them want the tool. They just want to be the ones in charge of it. You're not going to censor the people that Democrats tell you to censor. Are you going to censor the people we tell you to censor or vice versa? And if you're a Republican that wants to do that or a Democrat that wants to do that, you're either a fascist or you're a socialist. We throw these names right. around. And again, the name doesn't matter. The uniform doesn't matter. The words that are often used don't even matter. Political allegiance doesn't matter. What matters, like Martin Luther King said, is the content of your character, the content of the elected official's character, not what their political views are perceptually or the words they use or the names of their uh, their affiliations, their party, uh, the, the uniform they have. None of that matters. But see, we are, we are so... Uh, vain in a natural way we we look to people that we identify with in, in groups and collectives and that i think the natural basic human instinct to fit into groups to fit into society to have people we agree with i think that has been highly weaponized through psychology through um behavioral uh nudging psycho psychological programming if you will oh yeah and that has been that has been used to coerce people into isolated groups and then to pit them against each other like a giant game of chess oh absolutely yeah, like I said, you know, early 1960s, J.C.R. Lickwider, he was coming to all this from a psychological standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when he talked about the, the Internet. And so I don't believe, you know, he, he was a psychologist by training. So I don't believe that their interest was really kind of setting up a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy type of thing. Uh, I think that, you know, Douglas Adams kind of picked up that idea and ran with it. I don't think that was their intention whatsoever. We're going to have this giant encyclopedia where we can find all kinds of information. You no, know, Google has become a search engine that is designed to hide things like you and me uh, because they don't want people finding us. And um, yeah, so when they, they put this together, um, it, it is uh, very much a, a psychological tool. If you look at what was happening at about the same time, uh, you have the Milgram experiment, you know, everybody's yes. a famous experiment uh, that you see at the beginning of Ghostbusters <laughs> as a take on it, you know, where you, you give somebody an electric shock, you know, but it, they did it for real on that one. But, you know, he, he had people that went on the gag and they were pretending that they were getting electric shock. And they had an authority figure who was telling them uh, when the person would give the wrong response, give them a shock and kept telling them to ramp it up until they got to a lethal level. Well, they reproduced that decades later and they did it as a game show in France. And, um, you know, and, and the audience was cheering this stuff on. And, and they found that about, you know, two thirds of the people would uh, follow the authority figures uh, orders, even if it meant killing somebody. And, and the, a, a, a similar experiment was the ASH experiment, where they would um, uh, use peer pressure. So you have the two different things. You have one of them as uh, authority figure pressure and the other one as peer pressure. They would give uh, you know, put one person in a, a, a group of people and um, uh, everybody else in, in the group was in on the gag. But this one person would be there and everybody would give an obviously wrong answer. They might show them something very simple, like, you know, which of these uh, three lines are longer, you know, and and with something that simple, that obvious, uh, two thirds of the people would go along with the crowd when the crowd would give the wrong answer. And, and that's really a key part of what social media is about. It's about being able to watch people and identify people, but it's also about being able to shape public opinion with the mob, with the group, as well as with all this stuff we've seen for the last two years. Well, I'm the person who's an authority. I am science, and I'm telling you that this is the way that it is. You know, the argument from authority, which is not science. Uh, 
That's antithetical to science. And when you look at yeah. psychological methods, the Bitterman chart, for example, the Bitterman chart of coercion to extract uh, confessions from prisoners that are false, essentially, isolation, monopolization of perception, humiliation, exhaustion, threats, occasional indulgences, and then things like enforcing trivial demands and demonstrating omnipotence. These are basically the uh, the different layers and levels of the response to the so-called pandemic. This is precisely mm. almost like a script, how local yeah. and state governments handled pandemic responses. It's all about psychology. And David, on this show, I like to use history as an oracle for the future and for understanding what's happening in the present. And when you look into the historical record, it doesn't have to be uh, you know communism, but any historical record, you find so many parallels to today. I think some of that is because of the, the, the repeating of history, if you will, but a lot of it is because some of the, the playbooks are just being uh, replayed. Some of the, the, the plays that the other team can't stop, they're just continuing to be run because the defense can't stop them. Or people aren't even aware of them for that matter. They work. They work. They, they work, yeah. So <laughs> you, that simple. You, you mentioned the Great Reset and the Great Leap Forward. Absolutely. And, and there's, no, there's no doubt about it when you look at, even if it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, you look at Joe Biden, Kamala Harris's little campaign logo, the three red banners. Others have pointed this out. Three Red Banners is a communist ideological slogan that calls on the people to, quote, build a socialist state or build back a socialist state on the ashes of the old nationalist uh, world. So build back mm-hmm. better. The Great Leap Forward. Great Reset. Social justice and equality of outcome is just the cultural revolution destroying the four olds of ideas, culture, customs, and habits. It is, I think, too light to say that it is a repeating of history. It is a copy and pasting of the historical record, all historical events to the present, because a lot of history has been censored, particularly the communist historical record. We call people fascists, but when we call people communists, they take it as a compliment. Why is that? Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, the, these terms are malleable, aren't they? Yeah, just as we've seen so many things redefined in this um, in the last couple of years, uh, the people who are redefining the language are telling you what you can and cannot say. And that in and of itself is one of the most fascist things I've ever seen in my life. It's the type of thing I, I, um, I about two years ago, uh, I did about 12 minute reading of, uh, with, with music and stuff like that of, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's live not my lies. It was the last essay that he wrote before he got thrown out of the country. And he was fortunate to have been thrown out, uh, because they'd been putting him in gulags and, and that type of thing. And so, uh, in that essay, uh, he was talking about how, and it's essentially the same thing that George uh, Orwell did with the two plus two equals five, that the purpose of these dictators is to tear you down internally so that you repeat and regurgitate what you know is not true. That's the key thing. Uh, you know that this is not true, but you're going to say it and you're going to live by it. And not only are you going to say that that thing that's not true, but you're actually going to believe it. You're going to engage in double think and all the rest of this stuff. And so he wrote an essay called uh, Live Not My Lies. And, um, you know, it, it is a, a thing that we have to understand. And, and in it, he said, look, I understand because they control everything in this country, which is, a, you know, the goal for them with the, uh, the Great Reset, with the 2030 Agenda for Sustainability and the smart cities and all the rest of this stuff. The goal is for them to control everything. Solzhenitsyn said, I understand, you're not going to have any food to eat, any place to live, you're not going to have a job, nothing, if you don't do what they say. He says, so if you're in that kind of a situation, maybe you will repeat 
to them what they want to hear, but do not believe it. Don't ever, you know, that is the trap. That is the key trap that you would believe it. And so he and the dissidents that were in the Soviet Union, you know, set up their own uh, underground literature. They called it Samizdat. And, uh, you know, they would, they would uh, spread this around so they could think freely, speak freely, and keep that independent thought. That is what they're trying to crush. And all the labels, uh, you know, we talk about fascism and communism. Again, it's authoritarianism and it's totalitarianism. Authoritarianism uh, taken to the extreme of where they control your mind is totalitarianism. And uh, that's what uh, both of these uh, seek to establish. They just come at it with a different set of lies. You know, the fascist will come to you typically with a, um, uh, a set of lies that are based on uh, you as an individual people and as a special nation and all the rest of the stuff, whereas uh, communism will typically come to you with a n- international uh, orientation. Uh, but uh, both of those are a trap because they both take you to the same hole. We were talking about communism before the show as well in China and how China seems to be, because they've moved to be more capitalistic, sort of, and they've become more of a, China's very nationalistic, but it's not nationalism in the sense of like Chinese history and culture. It's nationalism in the sense of the party. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they, they're, uh, they do want to <laughs> get rid of the, uh, uh, the uh, Chinese culture. Uh, there will be no culture except the one that they've invented. That's absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, that's, that's, that's and, um, and that's what we see over and over again. And, and they are very much a, um, it's an interesting mix of uh, communism and um, fascism in China because the party owns, um, you, you have to, if you want to, they open up the, the country for business and that helped them to grow. But uh, as they allowed that little bit of freedom and a little bit of um, you know, market forces, they made sure that they kept control of the market personally because if you wanted to come in there with a, a corporation, you had to have a Chinese Communist Party member as a partner. And that's the only way that you're so going to get in. So that's Mussolini's fascism. Yes, exactly. The merger of state and corporations, exactly. Uh, we could call it crony capitalism here in the United States. And that's the thing. Is the, these definitions are not clear cut. I think the real orientation has to be not left or right or fascist or communist. Those are misdirections. I think the real reality is we need to start thinking in another dimension, not left and right, but also up and down, as uh, Reagan pointed out. Uh, we could either go down into authoritarianism or we could go up into liberty where we have more freedom. Yes, sir. And you can look at that and create a two-dimensional uh, political chart and map everything out if you do it on the basis of freedom or the lack of freedom. And, uh, and it's very easy to create a, uh, a chart that does that. But um, that really needs to be our orientation. That was the orientation of the founders of this country. And 1776 was very different from 1789 in France. Uh, one of them was uh, all about equality of opportunity and equality under the law. But the other one was about equality of results and a leveling. And, and that's what the founders called socialism at their time was the levelers because they wanted to take everybody down to the lowest possible level except for a few people on top who control them. Yeah, the true equality in that system is everybody is equally impoverished. You'll own nothing yeah. and you'll be happy about it. 
David Knight is our guest this evening. We're at the midway point of this final hour. No break this evening. Please visit thesecretteachings.info. Check out our archive and my books. My new book, Liberty Shrugged, I think you'll really enjoy that if you're enjoying the conversation. David Knight's website, thedavidknightshow.com. Going back to what you said about the changing of words, it's very much not only like the 2 plus 2 equals 5, it's also the changing of the dictionary in 1984. We changed the definition of a pandemic, of a vaccine. We've changed the definition of a recession. And when you factor in everything that we've discussed so far in the first half hour here, you put everything into a little bundle and tie it up together. Ultimately, I think communism is the truest form of fascism by definition of what that symbol of a fasci represents. Yeah, that's right. A bundle. Yeah. A bundle. Dominated by the acts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? You know, we have uh, dictates that come from dictators, and now the dictionary is a dictating dictatorship as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of sick and tired of taking dictate from these people. And that's one of the things, even to the extent, uh, Ryan, of the blue states, red states, isn't that an interesting inversion? You know, the uh, the Marxists have always embraced red, you know, and so I thought that was an interesting trick. Uh, I refuse to call my, you know, to, to use that kind of terminology, and that's the key thing. We have to just refuse to use that kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, if I if I refer to it, I say, well, you know, the so-called red states, and they do that, and I will put like a little footnote to it because <laughs> I just hate that. I hate that. That was one of the uh, first things <laughs> they saw them start to do. All of a sudden, one day, they all just decide, okay, we're going to make the Republicans red and the Democrats will be blue. And it's like, well, why is that? You know, because they're the ones who are, have traditionally identified with um, uh, all this, uh, you know, the red Marxism. You know? but, well, you look at words, words are so important. Look at the, uh, the Webster dictionary named after Noah Webster, uh, Connecticut uh, of Connecticut. And uh, Noah Webster once said that this is a quote, let principle be your guide, regard not the particular set or denomination of the candidate. Look at his character. This is a guy that, his name's all over our Webster dictionaries, just like Martin Luther King said, judge a person by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. You find Republicans and Democrats doing this. I think Democrats maybe more so or progressive more so have, have made this uh, a living to base and judge things on sex and gender and race. But let principle be your guide regard, not the particular set or denomination of the candidate. Look at his character. We don't do that. I mean, most people that vote, David, I don't, I know for a fact, people don't even know the most basic forms of, of, of how a government is supposed to work in a Republican system, civics. I mean, think about this. You have people like Bernie Sanders, you have people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and there are many others. They have advocated recently for packing the Supreme Court so it votes the way they want it to vote in certain cases. They've advocated for overturning congressional procedure, and they've advocated for using the president's pen as an executive authority to make laws, which, as you know and I know, it cannot. So you have people that are trying to undermine the three major branches of government, especially Cortez, who thinks there's three chambers of Congress and three chambers of government, but they're trying to undermine the three major branches of government, merge them into one uh, giant monster, and then unleash the monster. And then they still say that they believe in democracy and they believe in the rule of law and they believe in the republic. I just It's just like uh, Senator Palpatine from Star Wars. I love democracy. I love the republic. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, she thinks there's three chambers of commerce. Uh, she, <laughs> she's missing a few chambers in her brain. That's, that's why I call her occasional cortex. Yeah. How do, uh, how do you get elected? Occasional cortex. What's that? 
I was like, how do you get elected? You don't even know. You're yeah. in Congress. How do you not know how many houses of Congress there are? My God, David. Well, you know, we, we, I, I, we have a lot of problems with our elections. Uh, and it isn't just what happened in 2020 with Trump. And that was one of the things that I was saying all through uh, this, um, you know, stop the steal stuff and everything. That's one of the reasons I'm not at InfoWars anymore. I was fired for opposing all that stuff. But um, actually, I'm sorry, can I I ask you too? because I listened to you on InfoWars and I I wasn't planning to bring this up, but I had always suspected my initial speculation and uh, suspicion was that you were fired because you weren't on the Trump train and you weren't on board with with any of that. So that's no for listeners who don't know. That's the reason. And and it was a a very, you know, it was uh, before the election. You mentioned character earlier and I. (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, okay, here's some issues with Trump. Trump was not my guy when there were 16 people running. I can tell you that. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, but when it was down to two people, it was, I, I was of the same persuasion as Julian Assange, who they're now trying to kill. And that was, well, we know Hillary is a criminal and a warmonger and, and all the rest of this stuff. We know exactly what she is. We don't know what Trump is. We might as well try it with him, you know, and there wasn't any real viable third party alternative with it either. And uh, so, you know, I begrudgingly uh, said, okay, yeah, let's, you know, supported Trump in that election. But prior to that, I'd had a lot of issues with him in terms of his support of torture, for example. Uh, You know, he was opposed and rightfully so to the lies that got us into Iraq about weapons of mass destruction. Did he understand though, that those lies came as a product of torture. It was Gina Haspel who was running that program, who covered it up, who destroyed the videos. We never saw the video about torture. I interviewed many times John Kiriakou, who was um, the whistleblower who went to jail. The only person who went to jail for torturing people and then using the fake intelligence to lie us into a war. The only person who went to jail over that was the guy who exposed it and told the truth about it. Gina Haspel was promoted by Trump to the head of the CIA. And you had um, even the psychologists who were training the CIA how to torture people. Uh, They were able to dodge uh, a civil lawsuit even. No criminal charges were brought. They protected them against any civil lawsuit. So I had a problem with that. And and I know that prior to the election, Donald Trump and his son, Eric, were both talking about how wonderful torture was. And it's like, how can you hold these two things uh, simultaneously that you're against, um, you know, it, it create it, the, just from the practical standpoint, right? But then there's another moral standpoint to it. And so I said, that's a real character issue as well. Well, should it be any surprise to us that he betrayed us, that he betrayed his oath to the Constitution because he betrayed his oath to his wife, especially the first one, Ivana. Uh, he was, uh, they even did a movie about it, First Wives, because he not only divorced her, but he, you know, kicked her as, around the door repeatedly, just like he did the people he fired out of his administration. But, um, you know, that kind of stuff really does matter. Uh, character really does matter. And uh, unfortunately, part of the corruption of our election system is to make sure that you don't have a choice, right? That you only have uh, choice A or choice B. That's the Hegelian dialectic aspect of it. Uh, you'll, you'll vote against the worst one as far as the way that you see yes. it. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's the way they're able to control people. And again, it's all, really? it's all psychology. And this is, yeah. this is the way in which, I mean, I was reading articles years before the pandemic where Washington Post and others were saying, hey, we can't convince people to get flu vaccines, so we will just use 
this was in an article, behavioral nudging to get them to take the vaccine. This is what they it's, mm-hmm. call it political nudging or, you know, uh, uh, voting nudging. They just nudge people in the direction of whatever they think will give them the greatest benefit. It's like Alexander uh, Teitler, the uh, professor, said he said that, you know, democracy like real democracy cannot last because people eventually learn that they can vote for themselves, whoever's going to give them the most money or the most uh, assets or whatever they can do from the from the Treasury. And once that happens, the system collapses. Well, we're way beyond the rule of law now. And um, uh, I, I was very upset about all the lockdown stuff. I wasn't telling anybody that Trump was playing 4D chess. Uh, because you want to talk about the <laughs> end justifies the means stuff? Uh, that's, that's 4D chess. That's saying it's okay. You know, he lied about what he was doing. He's doing the wrong thing. But he's lying to them. He's not lying to us. And he was not a, he's going to come back and do the right thing. You he know? was and not a like, leader. Yeah, that's not leadership, no. And, and so, uh, you know, when we, when we look at this, uh, you, you have to follow principle, you have to have character, and you have to have the rule of law. And that's one of the things that we've lost, uh, and I have a daily rundown and have uh, since I was at InfoWars. As soon as this uh, executive order hit on Friday the 13th, um, uh, 2020, uh, it was um, March 13th, I've kept a running total, and I used to open up my show uh, there, <laughs> it really did annoy Alex. I used to open it up with uh, the music <laughs> from um, the the thing that started uh, the, the uh, program they had on ABC News is where Ted Koppel came up. And um, they, they started it in response to the Iranian hostage crisis. You know, it started out, and they would say, day number such and such of America held, of, of um, Americans held hostage. And so, I would start it with a running countdown from that day that the executive order went out, and um, and I called it America Held Hostage, and we had pictures of Trump uh, <laughs> marching with his entourage down a hallway, and he had a mask on with a presidential seal on it, you know, and all the rest of this stuff. So uh, that's really the way that I viewed it, and I was called out by the Southern Poverty Law Center and Daily Beast for being one of these crazy conspiracy theorists, paranoid Sounds like, said, sounds like racism. Sounds like racism and sexism, yeah. David. That's right. I was called out because I said it was medical martial law. And they said, look at this. David Hine is actually saying it's medical martial law. Well, it still is. And, and it's even worse than that because this executive order uh, of um, 902 days ago, as of today, is still being used that way. And it's being used by uh, Joe Biden, for example, to uh, his education department said we can forgive the student loans because we have a, uh, an executive order of a national state of emergency. See, that's one of the things that it says we can do this with. And it's like, well, it's not emergency is, is the key thing. Uh, this is just a, a beard so that they can do whatever they wish. And they're using it in all kinds of things. And it's going to continue to be that way. And we have not seen the end of this by any means, as you know, Ryan, because uh, they're not, they haven't given us back our freedom. What they've done is they have, eased up on some of their dictates so that uh, we don't take it away from them. If we were to take away this executive order, if we were to take away this authority because the public just said, that's it, we've had enough of this, stop it, uh, they would have backed down. But instead, what they wisely did from their standpoint is to ease off on the pressure, take you know uh, several steps forward. Now they've taken a couple of steps backwards, but they're still leaving in place this prevarication that presumes to give them 
uh, authority to do whatever they wish. And that's the dangerous thing. And that's that's funny. You mentioned Obama and the militarizing of the police. And then within just a few years, that turns into defunding the police by supposedly the same Democratic Party. And you have, for some reason, you have Democrats that they would never take a shot if Trump was the one that helped manufacture it. But then they force you to take a shot when Biden is elected, right? And then... Now they're going to, you know, when, when they're running against Trump, they said, you, you don't want to take this vaccine. I mean, it was done by Trump and look, he didn't test it at all. And then as soon as he became president, oh yeah, this is great and we're going to mandate it. Now, in the last couple of weeks, they've started, some of them have started saying, you know, that, that vaccine, because the bodies are piling up and, and they can't cover this stuff up. So now they're saying, well, you know, it's that, that Trump didn't test this stuff. They're back to that again. And, but at the same time, the Democrat Party, uh, many aspects of it, are still trying to mandate the vaccine in different places. So at the same time, they're telling you this isn't safe, it's not trustworthy, they're still mandating it. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, we don't have a bipartisan uh, <laughs> movement here. we got a bipolar movement, I think, that is bipartisan. <laughs> and, and, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and part of that is because of the, of the dictates, the dictums, the executive orders, like, for example, in a lot of cities – I forget the national one or the state one. A lot of cities like New York City and other cities like it, they have declarations of emergency that go back to the very first few days of the pandemic, and they have renewed them every single opportunity up until today. They'll never let go of that power. As a matter of fact, uh, before I left Texas, I'm now in Tennessee now, but uh, before I left Texas, Greg Abbott re-upped the Texas uh, COVID uh, declaration of emergency. He did it at the end of March. Uh, and I was like, what in the world is he doing? I mean, there was, yeah, in Austin, liberal Austin, where I was, you would see a lot of people walking around with masks and stuff like that. But even there, there people were waking up and, you know, yeah, this isn't doing anything. And uh, But in Texas, you know, you had uh, Greg Abbott doing that. And Greg Abbott, you know, one of these Republicans who was getting lots and lots of uh, COVID cash from, from Trump and all these governors were getting it. Brad Little, another Republican had, uh, you know, several times what the entire state budget was, uh, and he had that at his own discretion. Now, you give that kind of money to any governor, they're going to buy all kinds of political power in the future. You know, that's the way they yeah, use that, it in, in corruption. Yeah. That, that happened here in Arizona. I do not like our governor right now, uh, Ducey. Uh, he's a Republican. Uh, the federal government threatened the state. Ducey's not a good governor at all, but he refused to enforce a lot of the mask mandates so the federal government told Ducey, well, if you don't enforce the mandates, we're pulling education funding federally from your state. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the way they work. That's why I say, you know, you've seen that with the bathroom issue with uh, Biden and the transgender stuff and everything. He wants this thing to happen. And if you aren't on the same page with him, he's going to pull money from you somewhere, yep. somehow. And, and just like you're talking about there in Arizona. But, you know, uh, people, when I would talk about this and say, look what Trump is doing. Trump's not doing it. It's the Democrat governors. I said, well, it's the Republican governors, too. But I said, the money is coming from Trump. And if he doesn't like what Cuomo and Newsom and Whitmer are doing, he could pull the money away from them. But by, but by keeping it flowing to them, uh, that implies that he is fine with it. Because, you know, the buck stops with him. And actually, it also started with him, too. It is. It's either that or it's incompetence. And it's... Uh, I mean, again, that I think it's the you go back to the idea we talked about earlier in the show this evening before David came on. No matter what the uniform is, no matter what the name is, no matter the words they use, no matter the political allegiance, authoritarianism acts 
slightly differently depending, I guess, on how you define it, but it acts ultimately to the detriment of the people. It doesn't matter if they're brown shirts, if they're red guards, none of that matters. What matters is the result that that authoritarianism has on liberty, what that result is that it has on natural rights, and that result that it has on what you consider just to be your daily lives, you know, the freedoms that you enjoy. And we are, we are seeing, we are witnessing uh, so much of history repeat itself. We mentioned the 1952 fake virus scare in China, the 100 Flowers campaign, which I believe, and, and, and David, you alluded to as well, you believe that Trump has been used as a symbol to identify resistance to whatever the globalist party is. If you like America, yeah. then you yeah. are a mega, even if you're a registered Democrat. And we saw back in uh, 1976, uh, in fact, January 8th, 1976, a powerful uh, but moderate communist leader died, uh, Zhou Enlai. And as a result of his death, a lot of people came to the Capitol to mourn. They brought flowers, but the party didn't like that. So they issued a nationwide crackdown. They had fake trials and they went after people in schools and office buildings and anybody who was at the Capitol, even if they weren't there to mourn this guy's death, they were seen as an insurrectionist. They were seen as a rioter. They were seen as a looter, etc. Very similar to what we see with January 6th. So it's not only history repeating itself, but when history isn't repeating itself, history is being redefined. Words are being redefined. This is the classic Orwellian Huxleyan future. But when you talk more about Huxley, it's more scientific. It's a scientific dictatorship, like a medical dictatorship of COVID-19. It's all merging together into this one global system. Is it not, David? I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's been said, do we live in 1984 or do we live in brave new world? And I think, you know, the answer is both. I think that, um, a brave new world is the primary thing. And if you don't, if, if you, uh, don't uh, go along with that, if you don't buy into that, if you don't believe that, if you resist that, then you get 1984, right? <laughs> I mean, a brave new world is there, and that works on the majority of the people. And for the people it doesn't work on, well, you <laughs> get your head stuck into a, <laughs> to a cage with a bunch of rats in it eventually. And, and, and you know, that's really. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna, that, that's kind of where I see it now, you know, with, with that. Well, and it's parallel, too, in so many ways, because you have the idea of eliminating the orgasm and then you have the idea of basically manufacturing children in a laboratory. And these are mm -hmm. things that are happening today. Just the erosion of relationships, the erosion of families, BLM. So they want to destroy the family. We have the erosion of, of, of just the concept of love and relationship and even what sex is. We have a promotion of promiscuity, a promotion of, uh, of, of drug use, a promotion of debauchery and degeneracy and dehumanization everywhere you look from Hollywood to Washington. And the interesting thing about this is, David, I've always said that when you have 0.7% of the population in actual transsexuals being used as if they represent 99% of the population, somebody is subsidizing and financing that. And you go back into history, yeah. uh, I've done this several times uh, uh, on the show, I've explained this very quickly. In the 1920s, when the communists tried to take over Germany, they used, in fact, the word transvestite and transsexual stem from Berlin in the 20s during the Weimar Republic. They used these types of things, homosexual pornography, they degraded the German family, they demeaned women, they turned literally turned men into women and women into men. The first sexual surgery was performed in Berlin in the 20s. It's the same playbook, once again, and it's part of everything else we've discussed tonight. And you can get a glimpse of that if you look at uh, you know, popular movies, uh, things like Cabaret, 
even if you look at uh, something that was about that time, The Blue Angel, that was a, a big movie, made a star out of Marlena Dietrich, uh, one of the early talking films, you can see that decadence that was there as part of the Weimar Republic. And it, and it is a satanic thing. And you look at um, a Brave New World, you know, the, the offering people drugs to just drop out, you know, don't give a damn, take a gram, whatever, you know, something of Soma, you know, uh-huh. the, uh, uh, something like that. So it, it, is, it is a way of getting people to uh, take the easy way out, to go for comfort, to go for pleasure, and to, uh, you know, not worry about any of the morality of any of that. And it also is a big attack on the family as well. And you heard a lot of that uh, this last week in the run-up to the speech yesterday of Biden, you know, um, demonizing anybody uh, that uh, stands for the family, you know. And, and so this has been a long-standing uh, program, even to the extent, I would even say, when you look at Brave New World, you look at a lot of these totalitarian things. I, I look at them as uh, this is something they've always talked about, going back to Plato's Republic, where the uh, the idea was you had this stratified society, like in Brave New World, and so you had the elites and you had the, the enforcers and the workers and all that type of thing. But you had um, the desire uh, by Plato to make sure that everybody had allegiance only to the state, not to a mother and a father or a family. They didn't want people to even know who their parents were. So you were just to be connected to the state and the state alone. And, and so that kind of thinking uh, has really served the people who want to enslave others via the state uh, throughout millennia. Uh, and and then we've just added a, a very powerful, dangerous tool to it called technology. And, and that's really where we are today, that technology. You mentioned how things are constantly repeating. And, and I talk frequently about the fourth turning by Strauss and Howe. The people who gave us the terminology for millennial. They had a cyclical version of vision of history. They traced in the early 90s, they traced a, a pattern of every four generations, society being radically remade. They traced that back 500 years in American and English history. And so the previous fourth turnings that we've had, most recent ones, uh, we had um, World War II and the Great Depression. Prior to that, we had the Civil War. Prior to that, we had the American Revolution. So you get the idea of where we are. Now, they said in the early 90s, they said, well, probably sometime around the mid-2000s, you're going to have some kind of a disruptive economic uh, system uh, or happen, happenstance. It's going to be global because now everybody is, is synced up. And uh, so about the mid-2000s, they said about 15 years from now, there's going to be some kind of a, an economic disruption. That's going to start this fourth turning. And it'll probably end up around, I don't know, 2029 or something like that. Well, interestingly enough, uh, by 2015, Agenda 21 became Agenda 2030. And um, that is their time frame. And so we are in the middle of a fourth turning. And again, it usually is always accompanied by economic uh, instability. And it is a fourth generation that has really had it with the institutions that are there. They're viewed as corrupt. And the question is, what is going to come out of this? Is this going to be um, down towards slavery or is it going to be up towards freedom? We don't even understand the times that we're in, but the people who are pushing the levers and running through their agendas, they understand that time frame perfectly. And they understand the, the group dynamic and they're exploiting that, I think. I agree, David, and I think that the, uh, the fourth turning is the fourth industrial revolution. It's the rise of the Fourth Reich. 
It's media, social media, mainstream media, alternative media, entertainment, preparing us for the metaverse, which is meta, M-E-T-A, spelled backwards, A-T-E-M, atom. It's the black atom. It's the uncreation. It's the alteration or the disturbance or the distortion of the physical world and replacing it with synthetics, synthetic biological systems, computers, etc., wherein there will be no more free thought. There will be no more divine connection. There will only be subservience to the technocratic authority. And I believe that LGBTQ is being used as a tool and as a weapon to further confuse and to disassociate people from reality so that not only can you be anything you want to be, but ultimately robots don't really have a gender. They don't really have any sex. I agree. You look at all, you know, Ryan, I said for, I've been saying for a while that this transgender stuff was really to normalize pedophilia because, um, if, if a child can determine, uh, that, uh, they're, you know, reliably, uh, what gender they want to be. And if they can permanently mutilate or you know, alter their body, uh, as a very young minor, then of course they can consent to sex. That'd be a small thing yes. compared to that, right? M- minor attractive so, person. That's right. That's right. So I always felt like, you know, that was the push. But lately, I see it as going even beyond that. You were talking about, you know, training us to live in some kind of a fantasy. I think the ultimate uh, destination of all of this is transhumanism. And, and this body modification that we're pushing on kids now, yes, it is abuse of children. It is satanic. It is pedophilia. But it is also training for society that you can be anything that you want to be. And you can mutilate your body to do that. Or if you don't want to do mutilation with your body, you can get into the metaverse. And in the metaverse, you can be anything or any, any entity. You can create something and you can become that thing in the, in the metaverse. And you can live in a virtual reality and never have to come out of it. It's kind of the you know, Ready Player One world. Uh, but even Yuval Harari has mentioned that that's going to be one of the key ways that they control people, not necessarily even with drugs, but with giving them some kind of a fantasy uh, experience that is totally immersive because of technology. Yes. And that will be a form of enslavement. We don't have a lot of time to to conclude here, but if you look at the sixth generation tech that Samsung is developing, there's a white paper they wrote about it. They're talking about extended immersive reality, holographic creations of digital people, places, and things, or rather physical people, Mm -hmm. places, and things that are made digital. Absolutely. And in fact, I wrote a book about this called The Technological Elixir. Transgenderism is being promoted and pushed as a way to not only degrade and demean families and society and God, et cetera. It's also being used to implement the transhumanist system in the general population to get people to plug themselves into it willingly. They know the steak isn't real, but it still tastes really good. And they, they yeah, want to become something famous in the, in the metaverse. Uh, anyway, right. David Knight, thank you so much for joining us. I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. David Knight show, the David Really appreciate you joining us. Where can listeners find you if they don't know about your show? Well, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, they can find me at the at, uh, uh, the dot com, and uh, we have the show is on Monday through Friday, uh, nine a.m. in the morning Eastern time. Uh, but of course, we also have links to podcasts. You'll see us on every platform that has podcasts, except for Spotify. Uh, Spotify doesn't like me, uh, but all the rest of them, uh, iTunes, the rest of them, I'm still there. But you'll see links to that. Uh, but you'll also see links to where you can watch the show in a video format. So we, uh, we have the, 
show go out live in a lot of different places, and you'll have links to that as well. We also put it up on um, different um, video platforms. Of course, I've been banned from YouTube, but uh, other ones like BitChute and um, Odyssey and uh, many others, Rumble. Uh, so there's links to that as well. So the best place to find us is at uh, thedavidnightshow.com. thedavidnightshow.com. David, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. TheSecretTeachings.info is our website. Check out David's show. Check out Clyde's show on Aftermath. Subscribe to his archive. Check out our archive and subscribe on our website. If you do, you support us. You keep us on air Monday through Friday, five nights a week, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific. We'll continue to bring you the content and the interviews every night of the week. And of course, on the weekends, best of shows uploaded to the archive thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com is the email stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast have a good weekend